and welcome to another episode of Startups and Fuckups, a podcast brought to you by Norskin House Kigali. Now we speak to Africa's founders, we're trying to build Africa's startup ecosystem, but today's guest is someone who's been there, done that, and we're going into the world of Web3 crypto. Now, lots of buzzwords around that in the startup ecosystem, but then, who is this person and why are they speaking to us? Now, today's guest he is a founder. He is an entrepreneur, blockchain expert, uh, the person behind the crypto university. So in other words, it's called the cryptocurrency evangelist, analyst, and an investor out of Malawi. Gray Jabesi, welcome to Startups and Fuckups. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Last time in Kigali? Yeah, technically I would say second time, but first time while I'm awake. The last time I was here, I was still sleeping. How sleepy were you? I was looking at different things at the time, you know, so I wasn't traveling with open eyes like I am these days. What has changed? I learned a lot about business in the last 10 years and I'm more active when it comes to exploring opportunities and business in Africa. Because I've been doing business also, I started understanding each part of the world or of the continent from a business context in terms of the benefits, what makes it work, what's good, what's not good, and the differences between the countries and all that. Uh, there, well, to many outsiders, they feel like Africa is a country. Mm-hmm. And so you've been on some journey uh, lately. Your latest pit stop is here, Kigali, Rwanda. Yeah. Is Africa a country? Yeah, to me, it is a country. I think it's, you know, to think of Africa as a many countries is a disservice to ourselves, right? Because it doesn't give us any economic advantage. In fact, it's actually a bad thing. It just causes, creates more division. And the more subdivided the continent is, the less business we do. And if the goal is prosperity, then it's, we have more leverage by looking at it as a country. Besides, you know. Disagree somewhere. Yes and no, but I huh? Let Another reason for that, though, is that also if you think of these countries, we're not really decided by us. These Fair are enough. like colonial uh, borders and all that. So it's something that was just imposed by on us. And we perhaps have to figure it out on our own. Like, how do we want to look at it now? The last bit, I agree. We need to figure it out on our own. Yeah. We've seen that coming in of the African Free Continental Trade Area Agreement. I think that's a big plus. But then on the notion of that Africa is a country, you feel like... The southern part of the continent, mm. the way things are done, is very similar, let's say, between Zim, Zambia, Malawi, Mozambique, yep. Namibia, SA to a larger extent. Mm-hmm. But then when you come up north, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, very similar. Then mm. you find Rwanda is closer to Burundi than, mm. and maybe the eastern DRC. Then you find the western DRC is closer to West Africa. Yeah. Uh, there, there are many differences in the functionalities. Yeah of all these different, you say, countries. I think you, you're speaking in terms of cultural approaches, the way of life, right? Yeah, but, but from a business perspective, I'm talking about economics purely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at Africa as a country in that sense. You've been quite on a journey, and this is maybe where we, it's a right segue. You're looking at investments in the continent, right? But before we dive into that, I want you to take us back. Sure. Take us back to your journey in Web3, your journey in crypto. Many people, when you tell them about crypto, the first thought is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin has a negative connotation yeah. across several markets. Regulators don't want anything to do with it. But the technology behind it, the blockchain technology, mm. is something that maybe is very useful. When you look at agriculture, blockchain being used in agriculture, yeah. it has uh, enabled maybe transportation of goods, especially during the COVID-19 period. Yes. Right? The tracking of that. When you look at minerals, 
when we look at the challenges that are faced in the DRC, mm. blockchain could play a very big role in helping trace, create some form of traceability around that. Mm-hmm. So as a creator of the crypto university, mm. where do you see crypto's role in maybe unifying the continent too? Does it have a place here? Yeah, so that's quite a loaded question. So for the first part of it, as for me, I'm a total beneficiary of this technology. So like for me, I don't see anything else. And I'll explain to you why. So I was born in Malawi, typical African life, extremely poor and all that. And as you may know, most people in this region, they travel to South Africa. Back then, they used to go to Zimbabwe before Zimbabwe collapsed. And then they travel to South Africa, look for better opportunities. So I was one of those guys when I was young, but my family was there partly. So I moved to SA, worked in the gardens of white people, cutting grass, you know, the typical immigrant story. Yeah. And then I taught myself- Which part of SA? Uh, Cape Town. Oh, brave. A very brave man, eh? <laughs> I am, of course. Um, so, you know, in Cape Town, I did my thing there and I taught myself a few skills, computer skills specifically on my own, animation, computer programming, and other things. And then I started my own business in that, right? So that- How old were you then? I was 16, 17. Mm, Okay. So that gave me a little bit of leverage, but I had challenges now. I was like, okay, in SA, I couldn't get a formal job because I don't have the formal qualifications. Mm. And then I figured out the online world. The online world wasn't as discriminatory as the traditional world, right? Nobody cares what degree you have or whatever. They just want to get things done. And I I was really good at what I was doing, but I figured out a problem where I cannot get paid. I don't have a bank account. If I go to the bank, they say you have no source of income income to actually prove that you have a formal job to create an account. You could get a student account, but then for your age, but then you're not a student at any institution. No. You know the deal. So eventually I ended up coming across Bitcoin and then that's how I started working online and these guys would pay me in Bitcoin. Bitcoin was worth much less at the time. A few years later, it became a very big thing. So all those Bitcoins that I was accumulating at the time turned out to be quite a lot of money that I skipped the poverty line, blah, 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 blah. How did it help in you getting over that poverty line? Oh, yeah, because now um, I looked at the world from a different perspective now. I started becoming more interested in money and how it works, why Bitcoin makes sense. And also, I was now able to have my own capital that I started my own companies, right? So the survival life was over. I was now able to travel the world. I'm not worried about what am I eating tomorrow and all these kind of restrictions. I have less restrictions than I had then, right? Because I didn't need a bank account at all, even after Bitcoin, that I can travel with my money everywhere in the world, convert. I would go to, I can go to Kenya, sell some Bitcoin for Kenyan shillings and be able to do whatever I want. The only restriction I still have is as an African, you have an African passport. It's very difficult to do anything to travel, but I still do it. So Bitcoin is like a passport for people who are like me or most people in our region, but most people don't know it. Do you watch movies? Uh, a few. Okay. Have you watched Avengers Age of Ultron? Yes. One of my favorites. Oh, yeah. So there's a scene there where Ultron said the most versatile substance on the planet, but they use it to make Frisbees. Typical of humans, they scratch the surface but never looked inside, something like that, along those lines. Okay. So it's similar to that. It's mm. just th- their interest, right? Our economy is not controlled by us. We know that it's controlled by the Western powers. The banking infrastructure, that's why they're able to sanction countries like Zimbabwe and other countries. 
But because we are taught and we believe that this is how the world works and what we should be doing, we think that that's our idea of success or making money or building infrastructure, we think is aligning ourselves with the West and listening to their narrative. So Bitcoin is not a good thing for the Western countries as an entity. It's good for individuals there. So the institutions are the ones that control Africa. You know this, right? Indirectly. So whatever they say, we just follow. So our institutions basically follow what those guys are doing. That's why there's a lot of pushback. But if you scratch the surface and you look inside, you'll find that this is exactly what we should be embracing. I'm going to put on my financial hat, which is previously CNBC. Yeah. And the Bitcoin markets are largely talked about quite a lot mm-hmm. at the major financial stations or networks. Mm. But even then, for them, largely what they're saying is they can't be regulated. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the Bitcoin high was really high. Mm. Then fast forward to about early 2022, mm-hmm. Bitcoin, you know, the slump was heavy. It mm. hit people hard. And in the way, the way it's structured, it would feel like a Ponzi scheme. Mm. It's not regulated. Mm-hmm. If we are to have something functional, it needs some form of regulation. And I agree with you that regulation can't always catch up with innovation. Why is it taking so long in regards to Bitcoin? Okay, so the first part of your question, you mentioned a few things saying that Bitcoin, you know, it's designed as a Ponzi scheme. First of all, that's not true. And when you say Bitcoin had a huge slump, that's also not true. I held some Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. I held some Ethel. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I have had some stable coins for a while. So imagine you had 6,000 Rand about eight years ago, yep. you could have been able to buy one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right now, one Bitcoin, the same one Bitcoin, is now worth 500,000 Rand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So say at the time it was worth $300. Now it's worth, what, $25,000. Now, if you're holding the Rwandan francs or the South African Rand, how much do you have now? Less. Less. You have uh, less money. Give or take, yes. Of course, it is It, it is less, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, like the currencies are depreciating, depreciating inflation is high. Yep. So at the time, I remember the day where I made a little bit of money. I had to choose whether to buy a fresh pair of sneakers or one Bitcoin. Okay. And I decided to buy one Bitcoin on that day. The same Bitcoin is worth a lot more money. So you look at highlights of say, oh, Bitcoin was going and then it crashed. You're just looking at a small frame of time that you're referencing. But if you look at the overall, Bitcoin is actually outperforming all the stocks. Yeah, but who, so who's creating the supply and demand for it? The demand is created on its own. As long as the supply, it's hard-coded in the code of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is exactly the same as the US dollar, except that it doesn't have a state controlling it. The supply of Bitcoin is universal. It applies to all of us. You can't print it. You follow the rules. So, and a lot of African countries now are complaining about the US dollar, how the US have been using it to basically manipulate everything. So, I like to paint this picture to people, what money means or in terms of what a lot of people think. The US can print whatever amount of dollars, come to Rwanda and buy the volcanoes and say, we own this land. Mm -hmm. What just happened there? You exchange real value for a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. That's what money is. Yep. And then the dollar could crash tomorrow. Yep. All right. Whereas Bitcoin, even the US itself cannot just print 1000 Bitcoins and come to Rwanda and buy something. Mm -hmm. They have to earn it. So if you look at it from that framing, you understand that it's just honest, pure money. It's like gold, except that it's digital. 
I may be sold because I come from a school of thought whereby currency is whatever human beings decide to use to trade. So, but what's a better currency then? Is it the one where someone is able to print and manipulate over the other or one that both of us have to put in the similar amount of work to get it? Currency has to be backed by something. And that is largely for trust purposes, right? Mm -hmm. Because human beings are supposed to be able to trust something in order to trade with it. Go back to the history of money, cowrie shells, right? Mm. Then what was the first currency introduced on our continent? The rupees, which were brought in by the Indians, right? We were trading with cowrie shells before that. We were trading, having barter trade sure. before that. So fast forward, then came in the cash. The British brought in the shillings before they moved to the pound. Mm. Then later, we are using international currencies as well. Mm. Then individual states got their own individual currencies. Francophone countries had the francs. British colonies had the shillings. Then later, the United States became as powerful as it is, and the US dollar became the currency that we were backing on, which was largely backed by gold, right? Yeah. But you mentioned something that is interesting, that you say trust. Yeah. A currency is something that we must trust. So yeah, currencies can be based on trust at a small scale. As they scale a little bit more, trust is not enough. This is why we, partly why we left the gold standard, because it became a point where you can't even trust whether is this really backed by the gold. And there are people to this day who believe that the US dollar is backed by gold, by the way, right? Almost everyone. So since 1972, the dollar is no longer backed by gold, right? But if you look at the trend of the transition of currency, you understand that we have been trying to remove the trust element a little bit, getting towards more verification, right? People want to verify. So that's why the gold standard removed. We put the trust in the U.S. government with the U.S. dollar because we can do a little bit of verification through their systems and all that, right? Now, Bitcoin removes the need for trust completely. In fact, the slogan of Bitcoin is, do not trust, verify. So you're now talking about verifiable currency. A lot of people like to talk about gold-backed currencies. I'm like, let's say a gold-backed currency is introduced. How the hell are you going to prove that this piece of paper is backed by gold? You can't. You still have to trust institutions. Fair enough. And then they manipulate it, and that's how disasters happen. So, you know, you now have a currency where you can go and verify. Can you verify how much money your bank has right now in its reserves? Uh, yes and no, depending on, you know, the liquidity, maybe the capital threshold. No. The central bank. Puts on it. your phone, can you literally, if you have a bank account, right? Mm. Can you go and just look at how much money is really my bank has in reserves? Um, yeah, because you see, if there's a capital threshold, mm. so let's imagine the Bank of Malawi mm. has a capital threshold for Stanchat mm. or Standard Bank Group, right? And says, uh, capital threshold is 20 million US dollars. Mm. That's what's there. Okay. Right? Theoretically, that's what's there. Yes. But can you verify though? I'm not talking about, can you trust that that's the truth? I'm talking about, can you verify it? No, I can't verify it because the regulation doesn't allow me to, fair enough. Okay, why isn't that a problem? Okay, I see your point. Right? Yeah. So with Bitcoin, or even how much money did the um, the US government print it today? Uh, I think that's shared. Okay. That's shared. That's public information. But can you verify or you have to trust? Who says that uh, the Bitcoin can't be manipulated in terms of how many Bitcoins are there? How many people are paying for the Bitcoins? Because it, it's something obsolete that no one knows who controls it. Number one, the yeah. Bitcoin, you can verify. So any transaction that takes place, 
right? You can go on the Bitcoin blockchain and see every payment that's going on. If you transfer money to another person, it's public information. It's out there. You just have to go and check it on the blockchain. So you can check how many Bitcoins have been issued into the supply today, how many of them have been transacted from wallet. You might not know the people behind those transactions. But who says that that can't be manipulated? Because that, that that's on the blockchain. Yeah, no, but that can be manipulated because the fact that we don't know mm -hmm. who is behind it yes. leaves a lot of room for manipulation. So you can manipulate it, but it, it's going to cost you billions of dollars to manipulate it. So that's not worth it. No, because who, who, who was behind the technology in the first place? Okay, it's like this. The, it's software that was built mm -hmm. and it's very transparent. Everything that explains how this software works, the code base is right there. You can see it. Okay. But you can manipulate it because it's very difficult. So it's not based on a secret. It's not a secret. Banks operate on secret, right? Our systems generally. Yeah. Basically, all the softwares we use, Facebook, Instagram, you don't really know what the code base says. Mm -hmm. You just use the front end product. Mm -hmm. With Bitcoin, you can look at everything that runs in the software. Yeah, but who is running that software? It's people like you and me. So they're miners, they're developers. But if you want to change something, for example, on Bitcoin, it means that you can propose, say, hey, I want to change these parameters of Bitcoin. Now, the people who use Bitcoin, the people who mine Bitcoin, you need to get consensus. It's like a voting system in a tech spec, though, where you need to get people to vote for your proposal to go through and then something can change. Great. Mm. We're not going to agree on this, but... <laughs> I have, but some, that's I, have, how it works. I have some Bitcoin yes. uh, for safety's sake. I'm yes. just like, you know, you never know. Uh, if something happens to the world, let me not be left behind. Sure. Your love of uh, Web3, and we're going to dive into that uh, yeah. a little bit later on. But uh, Crypto University, mm -hmm. how does that function? So Crypto University started off as when I became quite successful with crypto, I felt like it was a hidden secret. Like I was like, why is nobody talking about this? So I started with a YouTube channel, which ended up becoming the largest African crypto channel in, in the world. I would make videos, live streams every day because that was the only way I could connect with other people who are into the same thing. So what ended up happening, people would be like, oh, do you have a place where I can find a series of your videos that will teach me how to get started or whatever? And then I created a website and then just put it out there for free. And then the traffic was insane. And then I decided to now turn it into a business. So Crypto University is a platform one-stop platform that you will learn everything you need to know about crypto, whether you're just beginner stuff or more advanced, you want to become an investor or a day trader, all that kind of stuff. And now we also added AI to our curriculum because I think AI is just as important now and there's a big cheat code, just like crypto. If you don't know it, you don't think that it exists or you can have opinions about it, but it's a power to the people who are able to use to interact with the technology and manipulate it the way they want. So yeah, so Crypto University is basically online learning platform. How many people use this platform? We have had a total of 30,000 registrations, maybe 32,000 now. And uh, what's the cost of that? It's from free up all the way up to like a subscription. It's, my guy, there's nothing free in this world. Well, it is. And come on. Uh, and then there's subscriptions, $50 a month, $100 a month, $1,000 a month. If you're corporate, you know, it's a couple of thousand dollars. So it just depends. You're listening to Startups and Fuck Ups, the podcast brought to you by No Skin House Kigali. We talk to founders on in the African startup ecosystem. And today we're speaking to Greg Jabesi. He's an entrepreneur, the person behind the crypto university. Now, have you checked out that YouTube page? He's going to give us more details on that. But before that, Gray, mm -hmm. who's Greg Jabesi? Yeah, I'm just like a, a small kid from Africa who was saved by cryptocurrency. And my job is to basically try to 
raise adoption about this technology to help as many lives as possible. And because this is like a, a hidden gem in the plain sight that can change many lives, transform our continent, you know, the blockchain networks, it's free rails of financial activity. And yeah, right now, that's basically what I'm doing, just trying to get as many people embrace the technology, learn how to use it and exploit it. What's your day today like? My? A day in the life of Great Jabesi. Okay, so I'm a trader. So that's one thing. It takes a lot of time of my day. So most of the time in the morning, I would start with checking out the markets, check out my bots. I write some bots that trade for me, which allows me to travel and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm a CEO of my company, obviously. So I have calls in the morning, obviously. And around lunchtime, I'm going to the gym. And in the middle of the day after gym, it's usually a bunch of meetings still. And then I can create some content a little bit. And in the evening, also more meetings and more meetings. And I finish up my day with Discord, interacting with the crypto university community and also other networks I'm into and trading even more, like, you know, investing in research. Marriage, kids, hobbies? I don't have any kids or marriage at the moment. Hobbies, I'm learning golf. I read a lot. I'll take you up on that. Nice. I saw that you're into that. Uh, I read quite a lot. Sim, what are you reading? Treasure Islands. It's this book that talks about how money moves in the larger scale of economy. Because I've always wondered why, where does all this criminal money goes to, right? And I knew where it ends up. It still ends up in the West, in the US, in the UK, but I didn't know how it ends up there. So a good friend of mine from Ethereum Foundation actually recommended that I read that book. So I'm reading it now. It's, it's scary. Treasure Island. Yeah. Sounds like Seychelles, Mauritius, or one of those places. It's things like that. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making the time. No worries, man. I hope you enjoy your stay in Kigali. Mm -hmm. And I hope you enjoy your visit at Norskin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be fantastic there. Yeah. And there's a, a really big startup ecosystem here. It's booming. So before we actually go down, mm. we hinted on Web3. Yeah. People have been talking about Web3. Mm. What is Web3? So Web3 is the version of the internet where the end user is a lot more in control. So it involves things like, you know, wallet encryption, crypto, it's based, it's blockchain based to a certain extent. So Web1, you can consider it as the first version of the internet where it was just a bunch of text, yeah. right? Not interactive. You could just click a link and read. Web2 is kind of now applications on top of the internet. Facebook, you could watch video, you could create your own page. Uh, but then it was all controlled and hosted by the service provider, right? Who's whoever the platform owns the platform. Web3 is almost like it has wallets attached to your internet activity. And also the user is in control because it's not based on creating of profiles with an email address. You use a web wallet like MetaMask. You connect, you do whatever you want, and then you unplug directly. So it still has a good layer of privacy and it limits how the application should be interacting with you by asking for permission for basically everything. Yeah. So where can people find this information and where can they follow you? Cryptouniversity.network is the best place to be if you want to learn about all this tech. And when it comes to finding me, I'm usually active on Twitter. I shit post a lot on Twitter. Um, my username is GreatBTC. And then I'm also on YouTube as Crypto Hustle. That's my YouTube channel. There's like thousands of free videos there about you know crypto traveling and all that stuff crypto hustle that is on youtube gray btc that is on twitter great jabesi that has been our guest for today's 
episode of Startups and Fuck Ups. You can find more of these episodes across all our social media platforms. What, 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 sorry, what was the biggest fuck up you ever heard on this show? Biggest fuck up? Uh, someone used their tuition money mm-hmm. to try and set up a startup. And yet they also had a family. Mm. And they really fucked up that money. I like that guy. <laughs> whoever they are, or that lady, whoever, whoever she is. That's yeah. a good story. Yeah. But I believe every founder mm-hmm. has their own fuck ups. I was having a conversation earlier with Jessica and uh, it was around the ability to make decisions mm. and it's okay to make a wrong decision, but it's how quick you make that decision mm-hmm. that will cost you. Because mm. if you take your time, you're still making a, a decision about yeah. And if you make the wrong decision, you've taken time to make a wrong decision. If you make a wrong decision immediately, you will learn from it. Yeah. So, Speed. Yeah. The ability to make decisions and trust your intuition. Because intuition is like a muscle. You only build it by exercising exercising it. it. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg has a good line on this, right? Move fast and break things. That's it. And a lot of us, I think we're trying for perfection too much. No. And the world is the world west. Either way, you just have to. You will never be perfect. Yeah. You're, you're just holding yourself back. Yeah. Man. Wisdom right there, oh man. Great job, Basie. Pleasure having you on, brother. Cheers, bro. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you. And enjoy your Senki Gali. For sure. It's already great here. You know, I just don't know it enough, but so far, everything I've seen is great. No worry, I got you. Awesome. All right, cheers, my man. Cheers, bro.